0: Put this wireless on here. First Timothy chapter one. Appreciate all the cards, the prayers, and the texts. And uh, you all been real thoughtful. Okay. All right, we're going to try to merge back into traffic here. Maybe. Just looking at y'all this morning. Amen. All right, let's start here in verse 8. The Bible says, But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Isn't that an interesting statement? Uh, now, when I first came uh, to, to pastor or preach here, I just filmed in the pulpit, uh, believe it or not, one of the main conversations around uh, some independent Baptists was, uh, uh, what about the law? What about the law? And uh, they would say this, uh, well, the Ten Commandments is no good, it's no good. And I believe I understood what they were trying to say, but notice what, uh, notice what Paul says to Timothy. He says, but we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. That's an interesting thing there. A lot of Christians have the misnomer that because the law is no good for salvation that you throw it out altogether. And uh, for salvation, yeah, you can't trust the law for salvation. Nothing you can do, there is nothing that you can do to save your own soul from sin and save your soul from hell. But Paul makes a great distinction here, and he's telling you the the law is good. The law is a good thing, and there's a great uh, balance thing that you have to uh, keep in check here. And Paul knew that the law is good. He, of course, uh, sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Uh, He knew that. Look at verse 9. He says, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless. Uh, So who are the outlaws? I mean, who are the lawless? (laughs) They're the outlaws, right? Not the in-laws, but uh, those that are living outside of the law. I know some of you think you're in-laws or outlaws, but but, uh, those, uh, the lawless, you know what they say? Law doesn't exist, right? They're lawless. Um, I I said this before, but someone said to the old preacher one time, uh, he says, uh, you're a legalist. You've heard that term before, right? Legalist. Uh, translation in 2023, that means you have one more conviction than I do. <laughs> That's all that really means. And to which the old preacher said, well, uh, if I'm a legalist, then the way you live is illegal. And uh, so as a Christian, you realize the way that you live your Christian life, it can be legal or it can be illegal. It's practical, isn't it? I guess I'd rather be uh, legal than illegal. Problem with some Christians is they'd rather just be illegal. Why? Well, we're saved, we're on our way to heaven, you know. Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die. It shouldn't be our attitude. But like we said, this if you're gonna if you're gonna pay attention to the law for any reason at all, if you're gonna not do something, if you're gonna follow the law in any regards, it ought to be because uh you do want to do it to get, get help get somebody saved. Amen. Does that make sense? Uh, Like I said, if I was to get up in this pulpit and grow my hair long, chuckle, chuckle, and put a couple of Mr. T starter kits in my ears, right, and put on, uh, you know, one of them little uh, polo shirts as a preacher, now look, if you want to wear a polo shirt, help yourself. I'm talking about as a preacher, and then, uh, you know, so that two or three of my chest hairs are popping out there, and get on a pair of them, uh, what do they call, skinny jeans now? That's just, I even hate saying the word skinny jeans. Just, ew, you know? The, the, the kind of clothes they sell at even Walmart these days, you, it almost makes you look like a sodomite half the time. If you're, I mean, if you're a man. Now, if you don't mind looking like a queer bait, help yourself, you know, but it's like you've got to go at, I don't know, tractor supply, or you've got to go some farm place or something and get you a pair of work pants. But even then, they're starting to look a little sissy you know what I mean? You say, well, you're a homophobe. Well, help yourself, man. I just want to look like a man if I'm a man. But anyways, but if I do that, uh, and I get behind this pulpit, and I try to look like the world, none of you in here are going to think anything about Jesus Christ whatsoever. You see what I'm trying to say? Uh, so you've got to use it for good. Back to verse 9. Back to verse 9. Uh, verse 9 says, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless. Those who, those who they are the outlaws. They don't believe the law exists and uh, disobedient. Then you've got the ungodly. And then uh, you've got for sinners, it says. And uh, then it says for unholy and profane. Now that means uh, individuals that show no interest at all in God. And then it says for murders of fathers and uh, murders of mothers for man. So that's who the law is for. And look at one ten, First 1 Timothy 1.10, it says for whoremongers. That's people, you know, whose bed have your boots been under, so forth and so on. You say, well, preacher, I'm not that kind of guy. Okay, well, does your uh, internet history search say that? Wow, that was awkward. <laughs> We're just going just gonna to move right on. Maybe not. this was one feller said uh the guy was getting ready to meet his maker, and he uh, asked the Lord if he could have one request. He said, What's that? He said, I just want to go back and clear my internet history. <clears throat> not funny, but uh you can go ahead and laugh. But anyways, the Bible says for whoremongers, uh for them that defile themselves with mankind. You see that? There's your sex perverts. There's your queers, your lesbians. That's all of Romans chapter one, right? We still doing all right this morning? We're just reading the Bible, We're just talking about why the law is good. The law is good for those individuals, and uh, for men stealers, right? And we went through that. It means you can't go steal someone to be your slave. And I know all the jokes, and everyone, haha, this and that. But in the Bible, the Bible clearly lays out conditions for slavery. You say, well, I don't believe it. Well, then don't believe the Bible. Don't complain to me. You say, do you believe in slavery? Well, first of all, I couldn't afford one. (laughs) Number two, I would probably end up not treating them right, just like you wouldn't. And number three, you live in America, so you can't do it anyways. So get over it. (laughs) Right? But see, you live in this Republican, Democratic, you know, anti-God society that you think God, uh, you know, governs his life by the, the Bill of Rights or the Bill of Wrongs. He doesn't. You realize that Jesus Christ's name is not mentioned anywhere in our Founding Fathers documents? If we're supposed to be a Christian nation, everyone proclaims we're a Christian nation, and God bless America, and you can't even find Jesus Christ in the Founding Fathers documents, doesn't that bother you? Well, maybe it doesn't, but yet you're allowed to use his name as a cuss word on every television show on the network, but you can't find him in the... Well, maybe that makes sense why he's not allowed in the federal school system. If he doesn't exist in our founding fathers' documents, maybe that makes sense why, right? You can't get upset about the way the nation's heading if you look back and see that Jesus Christ is nowhere in our founding fathers' documents. Now, I know they say uh, the Almighty and the Creator and God, and that thing, but they never mention Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. You can say God all day long. You could be talking about Muhammad. You could talk about Buddha. You could talk about some frog. You could talk about some giraffe, some cow in India. But you start talking about Jesus Christ, that's going to narrow it down. He says, and uh, if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. As anything that is different, um, and that is because they're teaching the law, these individuals uh, that are showing up at Ephesus, and Paul's writing this epistle to Timothy, and these individuals are showing up and they're teaching the law the wrong way, and uh, what they are is they're liars, they're preachers, they're professors, right there in the days of Timothy. You know what they are today? They're the Bible correctors. That is, it's the Bible correctors. Uh, you know what they do? They lie under oath. They say this is the word of God and, <clears throat> and they're liars. You need to stop and think about it for a second. A person that stands up in the pulpit and preach a, picks up some other Bible than a King James Bible and says that this is the Bible, he's a liar. He's a liar. He's perjured himself. All right, now look at the end of uh, 1 Timothy 1.10. It says, and any other thing that is contrary... A sound doctrine. Any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Now, I know uh, to some of you this might be a little bit of a rehash, but you and I couldn't get dogmatic enough and we couldn't get specific enough when it comes to doctrine. And I want to take a look at this thing again just for another few minutes here. What you always have to remember is the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, I'm sorry, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. That doctrine is the first application of the Word of God. It's the first application, and if it's the first application, then it must be the what? The most important. And if your doctrine's not right, you're not going to be right. And if you want to know what divides uh, churches all over this country, it's going to be this thing that we talk about real quick right here. It's doctrine. It's not personality. It's not, he didn't shake my hand enough. He didn't give me enough attention. It's, look, it's doctrine. And that's exactly where it's at. Now, let's look at a few passages here what the Bible says about doctrine. And you might have these written down already. But but doctrine is very important. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Doctrine is extremely important. If I get up and preach a message and I don't use sound doctrine, I'm wasting my time. I get up and preach a message about a Christian principle and I don't preach it uh, uh, sound doctrine wise, I might as well just have been beating my gums. Proverbs chapter 4, look at verse 1. Look what Solomon says. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to know understanding. Look what he says. For I give you good doctrine. Yes, my desire as a preacher to give you good doctrine. It is. Matter of fact, it's my desire as a preacher to make uh, to help to help maybe just a little bit get you itching to receive sound doctrine, so that when you sit under any other preacher, you you're expecting him to give you something from that book that is good, not his opinion. Uh, now look, opinions are going to come out, but opinions are like socks; everyone has at least two, and they usually stink. He says. Uh, he says, for I give you good doctrine, forsake you not my law. So here the Bible says that God will give you what? Good doctrine. Good doctrine comes from the Lord. And back in 1 Timothy 1.10, he talks about sound doctrine. So not only is there sound doctrine, but there's good doctrine. You realize there's a lot of churches today that don't have any doctrine whatsoever? None. You know, a lot of church members are going to get together today, and they'll have the, the coffee barista bar there. And uh, you say, are you taking a shot at that? I, no, I mean, if we had all the... Seriously, if our coffers were overflowing, I don't care. Put a coffee shop out there. I'll give a rip. Just ain't going to charge me 7 bucks like Starbucks will. <laughs> I'll buy the espresso machine. I'm not going to give you one for my office, but I'll buy Amen? <laughs> hey, why? Some of y'all need some caffeine to stay awake. You know, and they'll they'll get out there and love the coffee and the donuts, and they'll be back slapping and handshake, and they'll sit in the Sunday school class, and all the kiddies will go one direction, all the men will go one direction, all the ladies will go the other, all the teens will go. They'll have 55 different subdivisions, and nothing's getting anything. Nobody's getting anything. What did you learn in Sunday school? <laughs> well, you know, oh, we went through Brother So and So's book. Book about what? Well, you know, book on the family. Well, how about this book on the family? Well, here, here in uh, uh, 1 Timothy 1.10, you've got sound doctrine. For Proverbs chapter 4, verse 2, you've got good doctrine. Look at Isaiah 28. Let me show you this. And <coughs> I know what it is. It's, it's, uh, I don't have a complex, but a lot of times what people don't like about Bible teaching and preaching is the tone. Okay, so you all not willing to be honest this morning. Now, if I talk to you in this positive manner, when it's always self-encouraging, and I'm telling you, it's just so wonderful to see you, and I just have such tremendous information to to give you that the Lord gave me this week, and I did this, (laughs) but the fact of the matter, sometimes I'm just absolutely negative from the pulpit, and people don't like negativity. They don't. I know all about it. I've been through 20 years of uh, sales and sales supervision and sales school, and, you know, you got to get everybody wound up tighter than an eight-day clock. You know what I put on the front door of the depot there in Taos, the ice cream company? (laughs) I said, if you're not willing to sacrifice, then turn around and go home. You say, what happened? (laughs) They made me take it down. (laughs) But it took about four months before they made me do it listen, if i got to get you wound up to go to work, you ain't going to sell nothing. You see what I mean? If i got to get you all pumped up to, to even go to your first stop, you're not going to make it to your last. It's the amount of discipline that you have to keep going. That's going to sustain you. And you heard some preaching about discipline last week. is good stuff. Now, Isaiah 28, here's another passage dealing with doctrine. Look at verse 9. Now, these are passages that are concerning doctrine, why doctrine is so important. Uh, that old prophet Isaiah says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. You say, what in the world is he talking about, preacher? It's kind of weird, isn't it? He's saying you can learn doctrine, you can understand doctrine, but only once you're off the milk of the word. Did you pick that up? You're not going to learn doctrine if you're still on the milk of the word. Now listen, listen. If you need to be on the milk, stay on the milk. Like the boys, if you buy enough milk and enough cereal, they'll live off of cereal and milk. (laughs) I mean, really, tell me a wrong, wrong... When is it wrong to have a a massive bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios? Never. You're not going to eat it with water, are you? That's just gross. You, You ever get up in the middle of the night? Pour you a bowl of cereal and there's no milk. What do you do? Well, you cry. (laughs) But listen, if you need the milk, drink the milk. But you're not going to understand doctrine until you get off the milk. You see what it says there? It couldn't get any plainer. You've got good doctrine. You've got sound doctrine. But why some Christians don't learn doctrine is because they're still on the milk. And if you need the milk, drink the milk. But if it's time to move on and maybe try some applesauce, right? Apples of gold and pictures of silver, that's a type of the Word of God. If it's, it, maybe it's, you know, time to start chewing a little bit of meat. All right, God takes, uh, only when God takes you away from the breast, uh, that's the milk. Well, how does He teach you doctrine then? Look at verse 10, here it is. Uh, You will magically wake up one morning and no doctrine, right? They're magically delicious. (laughs) No, he says in verse 10, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. What's wrong, Isaiah? You got a stuttering problem? Line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. You're not going to learn it overnight. The Christian life, it's a race because there's your sense of urgency, But it's a walk with God, there's your carefulness, and here's your studiousness, and that it's here a little, and there a little. Do you realize, I hate to disappoint some of you all, but it'll take 20 years of sitting under my preaching, maybe 30, to learn doctrine. Now, I'm not going to say it's going to take you 30 years to learn it, but it's going to take a good 20 years to get you switched around to thinking the right way. Now, don't get disappointed on that one. I mean, what's the hurry? We're talking about doctrine, and we get this business mentality sometimes as Christians, like, well, I've been, I've been in church for five years, therefore, uh, I'm heading towards my master's degree. Pfft, whatever. <laughs> five years, I mean, that's just a blink. You realize it takes 20 years to make the man, and then it takes another 20 years to make the message. You know, I was 18 years in Bible Baptist Church in Lepin That's after being raised in a Christian home, after going to a Christian school, after going to a Christian so-called Orthodox college. I know the Bible. I'm going to teach something now. You know what the Lord says? Well, now you're ready to learn. Here's a funny thing. After the Lord called me uh, to preach, he called me to preach in 1994. I remember it clear as a nose on my face that I can see because it's German and it sticks out like that. And I remember he called me to preach. And I'm like, I'm going to preach. I'm going to be a preacher. And I thought, I'm going to be an evangelist. I'm going to go around and set the world on fire. And It was actually the other way around. Everyone was going to set me on fire. <laughs> but I got to read my Bible after that. I got settled in there in Bible Baptist Church of Lupton in 1996. And the Lord brought me a beautiful bride. And I began to get established and began to learn doctrine. Now, I learned, I knew basically... The fundamental doctrines of salvation, grace by faith, grace through faith, right? After that, what did I know doctrine-wise? Nothing. You see what I mean? If all you today know is just uh, that you're saved by grace through faith, that's a real blessing. But there's more than just that. There's a lot more doctrine. We doing all right? So after that, guess what? The Lord uh, Lord, uh, made it clear to me I need to start reading my Bible. Not just reading it to read it, but reading it to attain something. Reading it because I needed it, because I had to finally realize that within that book contains not only all the answers to life, but uh, it's food, like for daily growth. And uh, after I got going there, clipping along there a little bit at Bible Baptist Church of Lupton, you know, the Lord ran me across, I think it was in Galatians, was it Galatians chapter two or something where it talks about in 14 years later, you know what I'm talking about? where Paul is talking about how Paul gets saved, and then 14 years later, the Lord stuck that verse in front of my face. And I'm like, Lord, you're not going to make me wait 14 years before I can preach. And later be like, no, I'm going to wait 18. (laughs) You see what I mean? I come out of a Christian college, I come out called to preach, not understanding. 2-1, okay, I was close. Uh, so, uh, but, and it's funny, the Lord stuck that thing underneath my nose, 14 years. I'm like, <laughs> Lord, you got such a funny sense of humor, you know, you're not going to make me 14 years, and, you know, by 97, uh, we'd been asked to work with young people. That was a blessing. You say, what'd you say? Oh, preacher, I'm going to have to pray on it. I'm like, no, nah, I had to pray about nothing. Preacher asked me to do it. I'm like, I'll do it. <laughs> I didn't have to have no great prayer meeting. I'm just like, you need me, I'm your man. I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to be in first place. I just wanted to help. Amen? Why? The Lord is teaching me doctrine, line upon line, here a little, there a little. I was learning, man, that preacher was stuffing my guts full of that Bible. He was going verse by verse. I got, like I told you, I think it was a Wednesday, I got oh, almost five Bibles looked like a box of Crayolas threw up on them. You say, what would you learn? Man, I sure learned it, but I can't read half the stuff, and some of the notes are probably heresy, Amen. <laughs> I was just so excited and fill out those Bible, learning doctrine. How'd you learn it? Here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. Remember, uh, I don't know if you remember, some of you mothers, uh, you taught your kids to read, didn't you? And, uh, and as kids, they had the little blocks, like the ABC blocks. See, you just thought they were throwing them at your sisters and brothers, but they actually have a constructive use, and that's the Lord. He takes those little building blocks and he says, "Uh, uh, okay, Jeremy, once you get in that book and you start learning the Bible and you start reading the Bible and you start realizing you need the Bible, he gets the building blocks out and he goes, uh, now, Jeremy, what does that say? F-A-I-T-H. Say it. And you go, faith. Say it again. Faith. Good job. Good job. What is that? Line upon line. And that's how the Lord teaches you. You know, you go down the road of Christian life a little bit, and and the Lord brings you across. uh, He takes the blocks out again. He goes, now spell that word right there. Uh, uh, G-I-V-E. I Uh, I, I don't know how to say that, Lord. He says, I know you don't, but you're going to (laughs) learn. You see it? What is that? uh, Give. Say it again. Give. One more time. Give. Got it. Okay. I do it. Really? So he gets down to f- further in your Christian life. He's teaching you good doctrine. See what I mean? And then he gets down the road to life and he uh, says, uh, now here's a longer word. Uh, this, is, uh, this is three syllables. Yeah, had to check that out first. Uh, say, say the words. Sa- sa- sacra- 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 what? Sacrifice. Say it with me. Sacrifice. Spell it. You see what I mean? Here a little, and there you don't pick it up all at once. You know, you ought to view every 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 church service as just an opportunity to grab a precept. You're not going to get everything at one shot. You imagine, you know, this this whole uh, hate to bring pop culture in two thousand. They come out with this stupid movie called The Matrix, and they plug this thing in the back of your head, and you learn jujitsu in like thirty seconds. Right. It don't work that way. I know a, a fellow who's like a master in jujitsu, and let me tell you what, it takes years and years and years, and don't mess with him, he'll tear your knee up, amen? <laughs> I told you a story before, I decided I'm going to go down, and I'm going to learn me some jujitsu. And I was about the strongest that my knee had been in a while. Man, I went down there tumbling, you know, throwing around on mats. Man, destroyed my knee. You know, fast forward now, got a new one. <laughs> say what he's saying. You're not going to learn it overnight. you got to stop thinking you're going to learn all the doctrine overnight. And guess what? You're not going to learn it overnight on YouTube either. If you learn anything on YouTube, it's going to come from a preacher who believes the book, number one. And number two, I'd still question and write everything down. Now, look, 28.10 says, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept notice the repetition, or rep, uh, repetition. You know what that is? That's routine duty. You know what the hardest part of your Christian life is? It's not witnessing to your lost neighbor. That's actually a buzz once you get into it. And some of you are really good at it. I'm not just feathering your cap either. Some of you have the ability to approach somebody and lay it on them. Some people can't do that. Some of you have the ability to go, you know, if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to fry like a sausage in hell. And some of you won't do that. Your lips are sewed shut. But some of you have that ability. But let me tell you what. this is. We know what routine duty is? <clears throat> Getting up, reading your Bible, going to work, praying, going to church, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, what that is, boring, and that's how he does it. It's a strange verse, and, and uh, maybe here's an odd application, but you know that verse where it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, and not depart from it? You know how many people misapply that verse and get themselves so stinking depressed they think they're lowered in whale poop on the bottom of the ocean? Because some of you did the best you could to raise your kids right, and guess what they did? They did whatever they wanted. You know why? Because they got a free will, Mom, Dad. It's not a reflection of you all the time. A preacher that gets up in the pulpit and tries to tell you that if your kids aren't living right today, that, that sucker ought to be taken out and beaten with a ball bat. Well, wow, you got a free will. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, most people most parents do the best that they can and the best that they know how to raise their kids to love and serve the Lord the best way where they're at in their Christian life. And you can tell me because some child has their own free will and goes out and messes a thing up that it's a parent's fault. Oh, stop it. We're not under the law. We're under grace. But that thing says, uh, train up a child in the way he should go in the book of Proverbs. When he's old, he shall not depart from it. But the thing that really bothers me about teaching doctrine, I mean, and teaching the Bible, the thing that really bugs me, don't get me wrong, I love teaching the Bible. I wish I was better at it, and you pray that the Lord will keep developing me. Uh, There ain't nothing I'd rather do. I mean, cutting wood's a close second. Close. Amen? But the thing that bothers me is there's a bunch of men, there's a bunch of men over the last eight years, God allowed our paths to cross. Men. I mean, grown men. Manly men. Sit this one out for a second, ladies. It's okay. And God allowed our paths to cross. And when I met them, they were babes in Christ. Babes in Christ. And most of them, if they were saved, they were still hung up with uh, touch not, taste not, and handle not. and think that if you had to... You know, if you're a gal, you had to walk through the church doors in a dress. Now, look, I'm not poking at your personal standards. I appreciate if you wear a dress and you're a gal, praise the Lord. <clears throat> but like you know, my wife and I talk, I don't look at what you wear. She's looking at what I'm wearing, so I don't look like a clown. <laughs> but that's right. I'm not looking at what you wear. I'm not looking at your what you watched over the week. But a lot of these young Christians, when men cross my paths and God allowed our paths to cross, Uh, They were babes in Christ. And I got in the pulpit the best way I know how so far, and I've taught line upon line, precept upon... Matter of fact, I get on myself because I'm a little more clerical than I'd like to be. And if you're honest with yourself, sometimes this stuff through the Pauline epistles gets a little weighty. That's what Peter said. Some of that stuff's tough. You're like, preacher, just find an ending. Get me some practical meat somewhere. And I preach that thing and I teach it line upon line and precept upon precept. And, but here's the thing, and, and I did it the best I could muster up. How come now uh, that some of these men have grown up a little bit and they got off the milk of the word, how come they've departed from the things that I taught them? You see what I mean? That's the thing that frustrates me as a preacher. How come they departed from the things that I taught them? Don't I teach you to minister on the streets of your hometown if you can? I mean, don't I teach you to pass out tracts in your hometown? Haven't you heard that preach from the pulpit? Don't I teach you to pray? Don't I teach you to back the local church? I'm not against you. I'm just, I'm preaching here. Don't I teach you to give and uphold this book right here in front of me? Don't I teach you to treat your wife right? I don't tell you to focus on the family. I tell you to focus on Jesus Christ. Because if you focus on Jesus Christ, you won't have to worry about your position on the family. It'll be right. <laughs> don't I teach you to, the best I can to make sure your, your relationship with Jesus Christ is first place? And to back your preacher? Well, how come men depart from that stuff then? I'm, I'm just surmising this morning. You see what I mean? How come men run away from that stuff after they get off the milk? You see that? You know what that is? It's a lack of sound doctrine in their life. Now, you've got to be real careful with sound doctrine. Here it is. Here's the application. I'm not trying to drown some of you, but what sound doctrine is to some Christians is like giving a baby a steak. You see what I mean? And why it's weighty to some Christians is because some Christians are still on the milk. Remember Isaiah 28. Fair enough. And you're not going to get all the doctrine at once. So if you get a wheelbarrow load full of doctrine, sometimes you walk away like you just ate a 20-ounce ribeye on an empty stomach with no taters. You get all that protein on your tummy, you know what you're doing? You're passing gas. Aren't you? <laughs> That's just country simple. All that protein on your gut, you're like, oop, oop. <coughs> You know what they say? If you you can't eat it, spit it out. Why? Line upon line. Precept upon precept. It's going to take you 20 years at minimum sitting under Bible preaching and teaching to get the right application and the right estimation of sound doctrine. Isn't that encouraging? It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to get it in a three-year degree or four-year degree. I'm still learning. Every time I open that book, and the more I turn those blessed pages, the more I learn sound doctrine and love the rock of ages. That's it. You've got to turn the pages. And uh, now you've got to be careful of sound doctrine. Like giving a baby a steak. He'll chew on it, uh, but he's going to get plugged up. Amen? That little kid's going to get plugged up. You say, so, uh, okay, preacher, now what are you going to do with that? You've got a church member that's plugged up with doctrine. Well, the preacher comes along and gives them a spiritual enema, and they don't like it. You see what I mean? You say that's crude. No, I'm just trying to help you understand how that thing goes. Christians get stoved up. They get plugged up with doctrine. They need a movement of the Holy Spirit in their life. And when, you know what happens? You know what happens when your kid or your grandkid gets all plugged up? Don't they scream and holler? <laughs> you're all like, oh, preacher, I can't believe you're using... What other illustration would you like? <laughs> you get all bound up, and uh, that's a good application. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. The importance of doctrine cannot be uh, expressed enough, but you've got to be careful with doctrine. You need it, but you're not going to get it overnight. It's going to take a long time, and the right estimation of doctrine is going to take a, a, at least 20 years. Look at Matthew 7. And I say, why do you say that? I say that to hopefully settle you a little bit. This is, this, is not a, this is not a business program, not a business platform. Now look, some of you have been under Bible teaching your entire life, and maybe you're farther ahead than others. Praise the Lord. You just continue to grow in one precept at a time, one line upon line. Amen? Matthew 7, 28, it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. You see the reaction to doctrine? You know what people do with sound doctrine they've been lied to so much? Some of these preachers around here are nothing but liars. Being honest with you, they're liars. They're lazy, cheap, hypocritical liars. But here you see the reaction to sound doctrine is astonishment to those who've been lied to and tricked and led on and played for fools. Imagine getting up behind a pulpit and trying to talk everyone into having a good week when the Lord has a storm prepared for you. You see that positivity? That's a trap. That wormy-looking creature in Star Wars, it's a trap. (laughs) It's a trap, man. (laughs) And uh, you know what astonishment is? It's surprise. One thing I heard about uh, whatever little bit of preaching I've done in the last eight years is... Some people are shocked by it, Well, I'm shocked by it, too. I can't stand it. But some of you, when I've taught this book the way I have, whether it be the seven mysteries or seven baptisms or the doctrines of salvation or the doctrines of eschatology, some of your eyes light up like a Christmas tree. And I watch you. See, here's the thing. You're looking at me, but I'm looking at everybody. And while I don't have all the answers, I've got the book that has all the answers. And some of you all look at me, and you're like, "Mm hmm. A calf looking at you, or the, you know your dog when you say his name, he goes. Some of the looks I get, your eyes light up like, "What did he say?" <laughs> you start preaching about the doctrines of salvation, the doctrines of eschatology. That's end time stuff, right? The rapture of the church, the second coming of Jesus Christ, the second advent, uh, the tribulation period, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ in eternity, and some of you are like, like that. You're astonished. Why? Well, either haven't been taught or someone's lied to you about it. And then you're like, hmm, who's lying now? Maybe he's lying from the pulpit. You're astonished, you're surprised. And what happens is when you deal with sound doctrine, people get astonished by it. It used to be that if a preacher raised his voice, people would get astonished, but it's really doctrinal stuff. Uh, it's it's one of those it's a paradoxical thing. Over the years, people have come in uh, to the church house and really not trying to make this lesson about me, but I'm the only idiot behind the pulpit at the moment. Uh, but the there, there's like a there's like a, a warning that goes off now when people approaches. Oh, this is great preaching, oh, great, great preaching preacher, great preacher preaching. Usually uh, within a couple of years, they're gone. You say why? <laughs> because of the great preaching. <laughs> you see what I mean? I had one fellow left with his family, and he called me later. He says, "Now, uh, preacher, I'll tell you, well, we just, we just love your preaching. Translation, we left because you're preaching. <laughs> what is it? Astonishment. Don't be surprised. Sound doctrine has an effect. I'll give you one more thing. Look at Ephesians 4. Doctrine is important. Where well, you got you to make sure you draw the line is where some of these guys in, in our town here, they say, well, we're not worried about doctrine." If you hear a fellow say that he's not worried about doctrine, you better run the other way. Doctrine is extremely important. And some of these uh, clowns, they claim to be Bible believers, uh, and they should know better. And now they're, they're vocalizing. They're more concerned about unity than they are doctrine. Look, I'm thankful when our church is in perfect unity. And I think we got a good, I think we got, how do you say it? We got a good vibe. That's not even the right way to say it. The core group that we have when we get together—it just kind of feels good. That's unity. But let me tell you what: there's been times where it didn't feel good, and we were still doing the right thing. You're dealing with in here right now twenty people, and twenty—just not twenty different personalities. Twenty times twenty—that's what, four hundred. You're dealing with four hundred different personalities with twenty people. That's a psychological nightmare. <laughs> what you got to remember is unity is never right at the price of truth. Did you catch that? I'll say it again. Unity is never right at the expense of truth. And that's what some of the guys uh, in this town would rather do. They'd rather get together. You say, why? Well, because if we can get together and get unity, then we can get the tithes and offerings and get all that money coming in. Right? And we can just get along and preach a little bit about soul winning. Right? Just a little bit about soul winning. We preach a little bit about uh, church attendance. Preach just a little bit about this thing over here and that thing. A little bit about dress standards. And then uh, we're going to preach a little bit on places you should not go. Why? Because we're obviously doing everything right. (laughs) And then you make everything about the preacher's standards or you make everything about the preacher's wife's standards. And uh, listen, you might get a church unified over standards. Uh, You might get a church unified over ministries. But you are never right to strive for unity at the expense of truth. Ephesians 4.14, and we'll stop after a, wee, a little bit here. It says that we henceforth be no more children. All right, so the Bible is going to define what a spiritual child is. According to the Bible, a spiritual child is one who is, 14, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men in cunning craftsmen whereby they lie and wait to deceive. You see that? Every window doctrine. That's false doctrine, not sound doctrine. All right? And uh, I can see some people have grown around here because they're no longer worried about losing their salvation. Did you catch that? I can tell some people in this church have grown because they're no longer worried. They'll come up to me at times over the last five years, and they'll say, i tell you what, preacher. Lord, help me shore up that thing about eternal security. That's the best blessing you can ever get a hold of. Understanding you're standing in state in Jesus Christ. And we'll uh, pick this thing up on doctrine a little bit later. Extremely important. Anything that is contrary to sound doctrine. All right.